Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have Leighton Cusack from Pull Together with us here today. Uh, Leighton, thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a long-time um, Index Coop uh, holder, so <laughs> it's good to be on the call. Uh, always good to have Index Coop holders on these uh, conversations. So let's get into your background. Um, what is your background, and how did you get into crypto and DeFi? <laughs> All right, yeah, that's, I, I, that's, I could probably talk about that for a while. So I'll, I'll try to keep it short. So my, my background is um, is kind of generally just in software entrepreneurship. So uh, when I, I graduated undergrad in 2010, and I started a company uh, right after uh, undergrad that was um, uh, building software to facilitate donations, actually, because uh, I, I was really passionate about trying to help people give more money by making it easier to give money. And uh, that wasn't that was not a blockchain thing, though. So that was that's sort of my background. Um, I started getting into into crypto in terms of just buying it in late 2016. And then in late 2018, that's when I really that's when I got introduced to DeFi. And so my first DeFi experience was, um, you know, locking ETH on Maker, minting DAI, and then taking it over to Compound and depositing it. And that was in uh, that was in like December, I think, or, or, or November of 2018. And that for me was like the huge, just sort of aha moment of like, this is incredible. And from that point on, I knew for sure I wanted to do something in DeFi. You know, DeFi, the term didn't even exist at that time. So I didn't know I wanted to do something in DeFi, but I knew I wanted to work in the in the crypto blockchain space and, and so that's that's how i got into DeFi. and then specifically how i started contributing to pool together was when um at this time you know early early 2019 i, I was particularly interested in like what are applications for uh blockchain technology that help people become more financially healthy and in the course of my research on that i came across this concept of prize savings accounts which are really popular uh all over the world um and they sort of just, you know, very obviously would work a lot better if they were administrated via uh, decentralized smart contracts as opposed to um, as opposed to with centralized intermediaries. And so that's how I uh, that's 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 kind of how I specifically started contributing to uh, pool together. Yeah. And do you have a developer background or what I guess what is your role at pool together and how do you use, I guess, talents from your previous life and what you're doing now? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So so I think, so, you know, for, first to clarify, there's there's Pool Together Inc., which is the the company that I'm employed by, and then there's the Pool Together Protocol. And um, as of February of this year, the control and governance of the protocol was fully decentralized with the issuance of the of the pool token. And so I, I still work for the company. Um, that's like, that's that's my role. But obviously, I the the company is still is still working to to build on, on top of and around. It's kind of the typical uh, open source software model where you create an open source piece of software and then you can um, you know provide services around it. So so that's just to clarify sort of like what my what my involvement is today in in the protocol. So I'm no longer in control of the protocol, um, but uh, but now I'm I'm a part of the company that uh, initially contributed to to it. And I'm still, I would still consider myself like a, a contributor to the protocol in a, in a more informal sense, but, but not so much professionally. So, so 
that's kind of a long-winded answer, but <laughs> just, just to describe that that portion of it. I think um I think more directly to your question, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a I'm not an engineer, so I I definitely can't write code, but I do have a pretty good technical understanding of of how kind of the systems work. I, I like to you know dive deep, so I'm not I'm not technical, but I do I do have a pretty good um, technical understanding, and I think what's probably been most applicable to me from my experience is just is just community building. You know, with the last company that I started, it was a lot different because we didn't have it wasn't decentralized. So it was a lot different in that sense. But there were some elements of the community side in terms of like customer support and in terms of building community around um, around a product that I think are applicable to to DeFi as well. Yeah. So are you a founder of Pull Together or was it already around and then you just hopped in and started contributing? The I was a, I was a founder of the company of Pool Together Inc. Yeah. So the to go, to go back again. Um, so early 2019, uh, I went to the Ethereum Denver conference. And at the time I had this idea of like, hey, I, I really want to work on um, creating a protocol to facilitate price savings. And I actually pitched it at the conference. And th- I'll get this a little shout out for people listening. Like I went to that conference and at the time I knew no one in crypto. I did not, I went to the conference by myself. I almost didn't go because I didn't really want to go by myself. It's kind of intimidating to go by yourself, obviously. And I knew no one in crypto and I went to that conference all by myself. And, um, but, but I actually ended up meeting my two co-founders at that conference. I pitched the idea for pool together. People really liked it. I tried to work on it that week. Um, and it didn't, uh, we, we didn't actually win any prizes or anything in the hackathon, but that was sort of how, how it got started. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like pool together has been around, I mean, almost as early as maker synthetics, Uniswap, Compound, and I I personally, I'm a huge fan of the protocol, but I feel so pulled together when you compare it to those other protocols that I just named, haven't really obtained the same type of popularity as the others. Why do you think that is? I don't want to say that we're ahead of our time, but but a little bit. I think pulled together is a protocol that so if you look at like Maker or Synthetics or Compound, those are sort of like very base layer protocols, right? Like uh, Maker is literally a stable coin. That's like the most base layer you can get. Compound is borrowing and lending. That's for a financial product. That's sort of like the most base layer you can get. Pool together, prize savings, that's, that more appeals. That doesn't so much appeal as much to whales. I mean, it does appeal to some whales, but it appeals more to people. It, it's, it's more of like a consumer protocol, right? And so I think that in the early stages, when they're the the at the yeah in the early stages naturally when there's less there's less protocols out there there's less people out there the the things that will will get more prominence are going to be the things that are more more base layer whereas price savings is something that is like built on top of you know compound and ave it's built on top of that base layer and it requires it requires a little bit easier like on ramps to use it and things like that and so i think to me i think like we're seeing this change right now with, with it's getting easier and easier, right. To get into crypto, it's getting easier and easier to use these things. Gas fees are getting lower on, on Polygon and et cetera. And so I, I really feel like for pool together, our, our sort of moment in the spotlight is still coming because I think it requires the on-ramps into DeFi um, to be a bit more developed than it did for things like SNX and uh, compound and, and, um, and uh, maker. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really thought of it like that. So you're not 
necessarily DeFi 1.0 or DeFi 2.0. You're, <laughs> I mean, you might even be DeFi 3.0, which might be just completely retail facing, right? That that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, this price savings accounts feels a lot more retail focused. And why don't right. you go into what a prized savings account is and what a no loss lottery is uh, for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So price savings accounts and no loss lotteries, those terms are kind of used interchangeably. Uh, I, I prefer like price savings accounts just because like if you say the word lottery, people get confused and start thinking it is actually a lottery when it's not. But um, the basic concept is, regardless of what term is kind of used to describe it, the basic concept is it's a savings account <laughs> where on, on the blockchain, of course, so not like a bank uh, savings account, but it, it's a savings account like you would have at a bank where you can deposit and withdraw whenever you want to. There's no fees to deposit and withdraw. But the difference is with pool together with price savings, the difference is instead of uh, getting like a fixed APR, you typically get either like a lower APR or potentially no APR. And everyone's, but the interest that's earned on everyone's money is combined and given out, um, given out as prizes. And your chances to win those prizes are based on how much you deposit. So that's sort of the mechanics of it. If you think about it, like uh, from a more behavioral perspective, it's essentially a way to gamify savings. It's essentially a way to make savings more, um, more fun and also to make them more economically beneficial because what, at, at, a, at a really core level, like what price savings do is they give people an opportunity to get asymmetric returns without risking their principal. So like, for example, the luckiest person who's ever deposited into pool together, they put like $75 and won like $43,000. So there's no other, there's no other way. If you're someone who has 70, $75, you don't have any way to get like an asymmetrical return on that money without risking your principal. Right, like you could potentially get it by investing in Dogecoin, but you're you're taking on the principal risk. And so, economically, what Pool Together does and what Price Savings do is they give people, and this is particularly helpful for people who have you know smaller amounts of money, let's say like ten thousand dollars or less. They give people a way that they can still have their savings, they can still withdraw it whenever they want to. They don't have to worry about that. But well, they have it deposited, they have exposure to to asymmetric returns. So. That's sort of like a, a mechanical definition of how it works, also a psychological definition and also sort of an economic definition. Yeah, absolutely. And why did you feel like this prize savings account idea was perfect for the blockchain? Because there are there are real world examples of prize savings accounts. So why is right. doing this on the blockchain better? So, yeah, so a few things. So one is it's it's auditable in public, right? So a big issue with with prize savings is like, how do you know that the person who won the prize actually was was randomly chosen? Right. And when it's on the blockchain, you actually can know that and you can verify it and you can you can see that for yourself. So the, having that public auditability is really, really important. The other thing is that um, typically prize savings are very uh, uh, costly to administrate. Because, you know, if people are depositing like $100 and you have to you have to like handle the administration for each person that the unit economics are un very unfavorable, basically would be the way to say it. And so with uh, being built on a protocol, there's there's no incremental cost. Right. So there's no people more people can deposit. There's no there's no costs that accrue to anyone <laughs> when when people are um, when people are depositing more. So your so your growth is really um, uncapped which makes it possible to have much larger, much larger uh, amounts of money that are deposited and then therefore much larger prizes. So that's like the second reason. So the like first is the transparency, auditability. 
Second reason is really the scalability. And the third reason I would say is the, and these and these are more of the product reasons, but the third reason is like you can get higher returns, right? So capital is more efficient in decentralized finance, so therefore you can get higher returns. And then the final thing, which is sort of the overarching reason, is that it can actually be a decentralized user-owned protocol, right? So instead of building this as a centralized service where all of the um, all of the everything is controlled by a small group of individuals or a company, it can actually be a decentralized protocol that's owned by the people who actually use it. And that I think is like, you know, that, that to me that's the most important thing. But I think those all, also those product improvements are important too. I mean, it sounds like you're just hitting all of the major buzzwords and for the right reasons, you know, <laughs> transparency, yeah. low overhead scalability, more efficient capital use, which yields higher returns. Um, yeah. It, are there examples of these price savings accounts like that you can think of in the real world? Because I, I don't know I, me oh, yeah. in the U.S., I think you're in the U.S. too. I, I don't know of any in the U.S. at least. Yeah, so there's a couple. There's a there's a few in the U.S. Um, like, yeah, there, there's a few in the U.S. right now. One's called um, uh, Prize Pool. One's called uh, Yada Savings. And then there's also like uh, like Walmart in the past has has a, had a program that that did this. So there 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 are a few in the U.S. The biggest program though globally is in um, the U.K. So in um, in the U.K. they have a program. It's called Premium Bonds, but it functions the exact same way. But they just call it Premium Bonds. And uh, that program has like 100 billion or over 100 billion U.S. dollars deposited into it. And so, you know, if you have 100 billion dollars, that they only it only yields like 1.2 percent interest. But you're still going to be distributing like a billion dollars a year in prizes if you have 100 billion dollars deposited in 1 percent APR. So that's the biggest one globally. But um, they are uh, available in the U.S. But um, I would say they're less popular culturally than they are in other countries. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, as far as I can think, at least one of the most you're one of the most successful early examples of a protocol that is actually building on top or utilizing smart contracts that call other smart contracts, right? Because you're built on right. top of Ave and Compound, I think. Do you want to talk right. about that a little bit? And is there, I don't know, any possibility of expanding beyond just Ave and Compound uh, for? when you're using those smart contracts? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, you know, I think the word you're like, some people in the audience may have heard before was like composability. So that's this big concept in, in decentralized finance and DeFi, being able to easily build new things by composing different things together. And so you could think of pool together, at least like when it first launched was it was a com composition of, of maker with the die stable coin and compound with the yield source. And it was sort of built on top of those two things. And um, yeah, it, I think Pool Together has been one of the earliest and sort of is one of the best examples of that. To your question on like yield sources, long, yeah, long term, I mean, I would definitely hope that the protocol would be integrated with a bunch of yield sources. Now with the with the decentralization, the inclusion of new yield sources is up to up to governance to vote on. So it's not something we have control over anymore, but I definitely would like to see that happen but you know, obviously, with something like Pool Together, you know, you, we want to be a lot more um, conservative on yield generation, right? Like, there's all sorts of ways you can try to get like, you know, a 50 or 100 or whatever percent APR. But you, but you know, a lot of times those come with increased risk. And so, you know, one thing I'm most proud of is the fact that the Pool Together protocol has never lost anyone money. It's never been hacked in any way. And you know, 
that's that's um that's that's actually really rare right in the space and um that's a record that i i i really hope the protocol the protocol keeps yeah I, that makes sense like the security of the right of what you're using to build on top of is really important because if you were to use uh, something like cream and they had that huge exploit uh, mm-hmm. a month or two ago i think and right. even or, or even badger today uh yeah that would that would be a loss of funds for your users and that would be that kind of defeats the whole purpose of a no loss lottery right right so users put their money into this pool that money is then lent out and the interest is then paid to one or a few different uh users in in the pool is all of that interest that's generated uh does all that go to the users at the end of the week or is some of that retained uh, by the pool, or does some of that go to the pool together treasury? How does how does all that work? How does that distribution end up? Uh, I guess playing out. Yeah, that's a great question. So, and it's a little tricky to answer because yeah, because there's some nuance and, and and because there's sort of the protocol sort of in transition. The the short answer would be the the pool token holders control how the interest is is distributed, and so. Basically, and actually, so this is something that just happened today. The pool token holders did a vote um, a few days ago to create a new uh, a new prize distribution, right? So, so there's all sorts of ways you can distribute the interest that's accrued. Let's say there's a hundred thousand dollars that's accrued in a week. You could have one winner. You could have five winners. You could have five thousand winners, right? And so that's up to the pool token governance to determine, like how how are those prizes um how are those prizes distributed. So and ultimately, all, the, all those parameters are. The other parameter, though, that's, that, that governance manages that's pretty interesting is the reserve. And basically what the reserve does is it's a mechanism to make sure that people's, that the prizes are always bigger than just the amount of money that's deposited into the protocol. So basically, the way it works is like there's a reserve rate. So say it's 10%. What that means is like 10% of the interest generated stays in the prize pool and then sits there and contributes interest to all future prizes. So it sort of builds this like perpetual growth machine. That's that's what we've called it before, which I, I think long-term is a super, super powerful concept for the protocol to just have like hundreds of millions of dollars in this reserve that's then contributing and making these prizes larger and larger and larger. So those are sort of the ways it works out mechanically. But um, like I said, at the end of the day, it's the the decision on like what those parameters are are, are up to the pool token holders. Okay, so that interest reserve, in, in your example, you said 10%, that is no longer eligible to be won, but it is, yes, it yeah, is exactly. contributed so that, that interest compounds over time. Is exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, 100, yeah. So it's not eligible to win. So what that means is like, well, I'll give you like a concrete example. I think like for USDC, I think there's like, you know, $20 million deposited but then there's also like five million dollars of reserves, and so that means there's tw- so that means the pro- you know that means the interest is as if it's twenty five million dollars, but your that five million isn't eligible to win, so that's just contributing interest to the prize. Okay, and is there a limit on how long someone has to be in that pool to be eligible to win? Because what what's to stop a user from coming in, depositing a hundred thousand dollars on the right. day of the drawing, and then withdrawing it the next day? Yeah, so the there's not a limit, no. Uh, well, no, there's not a limit, but basically your chances to win are, um, they are weighted by your average deposit over the prize period. So 
let's say there's a prize every 24 hours and you deposit one minute before the prize, your chance wouldn't be very, very small because your average balance over that 24 hours would be tiny. So it um, basically automatically weights your chances based on how long you've been deposited. Okay, interesting. And so if I've had a deposit in the pool for a year, does that make me more likely to win as opposed to someone who's been in there for two months or is there a limit on that? No, yeah, so no, it's only within that prize period. So it's, so it basically, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't have, assuming you're deposited for the whole, um, the whole prize period, whatever that prize period is, your chance to win are the same. It doesn't matter if you're like multiple in a row. Um, so it's really just, it's, it's just a mechanism the protocol has to protect against what you were just talking about, which is like someone coming in right before, um, right before a prize, like a big whale coming in, depositing, and then withdrawing right after. It just keeps the system fair while also enabling people to leave whenever they want to without ever having to, you know, lose their money. Yeah, that sounds fair too. So yeah, it's something y'all obviously uh, thought about uh, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely spent a lot of time thinking about it. Yep. So what assets are currently available for people to quote unquote pull together uh, on your platform? Well, that's a good question. Again, there's like, there's a little bit of a nuance here because the V4 protocol was just recently released. But so the V4 protocol, it's it's just USDC. And that's really, at least in the short term, I think where the protocol is moving is, is just supporting USDC, but you can deposit it on any any blockchain that's out there. The V3 protocol prize pools do have other assets. But to be honest, like I wouldn't Given what's happened with like Ethereum gas fees in the last six months, I wouldn't really recommend anyone to deposit into them because it's just it's just too expensive. So it's really just focusing on on USDC. Okay, yeah, and given that you're a, a more retail or the idea is to be a more retail facing uh, DeFi protocol, how have those gas fees affected? Uh, I guess the growth or just overall perception of the protocol. Oh, yeah. It's been a huge problem, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, like like I, like I was just saying, the V3 protocol pools, they they no one really deposits into them anymore. <laughs> like, I actually just ran the stats. 96% of all deposits are on Polygon now with the, with the V4. So there's very few people who are still using Ethereum. So, yeah, so that's, that's an issue. But the, I guess the good side of that issue is that it's an issue that has not completely been addressed, but it's been largely addressed, right? Like with, with, with Polygon now being available, with these other blockchains as well, with the L2s. And, you know, once the critical piece, I think, is like once you can go from Coinbase to Polygon directly, that's when it will really get unlocked. Yeah, so it's, been, it's definitely been a big inhibitor to growth for sure. And it's something that, you know, I don't think, I don't think anyone, if you had asked me a year ago, <laughs> I don't think anyone thought gas fees were going to get as high as they've gotten. Um, you know, a year ago, it was maybe like a dollar in transaction fees. And now it's like $150. So it's crazy. Yeah. And what do you, just like in your opinion, what do you attribute to these high gas fees? Like, do you think it's just the, the demand of the network and people are willing to pay those high gas fees for the overall security of Ethereum? Or is it... Um, do you think in the future that Ethereum's mainnet will be just used by protocols and L2s, like L2s to batch transactions down to the mainnet? Or what, I don't know, what future yeah. do you see for mainnet in general? Yeah, I definitely see what you just said. Like, And again, that's why I even people today, uh, that's why I just like, 
I'm always tell people like, just don't deposit because like it, it's only going to get worse, basically, in my opinion. I mean, and worse maybe is not the right word to use because in some ways it's better, right? Higher fees mean more economic security. But I think what you're right is that it's going to be Ethereum layer one will be protocols using it to move large amounts of money around. It will be L- L2s using it for um, for security to verify stuff. Um, it's not going to be normal people using it to to do transactions. And I think the thing, the reason, you know, the thing, a lot of the gas fees right now are, it's the, it's the arbitrage and it's the bots, right? It's like, there's so many arbitrage opportunities on AMMs to buy an asset and then sell it on a different one. And those bots are just running automated and the bots don't care. Like they'll spend $5,000 on gas to make $5 because they just are trying to make $5. (laughs) So they don't care. Um, And so I think that's why, why gas fees get so high is because, these are not price sensitive transactions. These are transactions that people will run regardless of how much it costs, as long as they're turning a tiny little profit. And that's that's what's happened with uh, with mainnet. Well, yeah, I haven't really thought about the arbitrage uh, bots and how that's truly affecting the gas price. That's an interesting take. And yeah, I I had David Hoffman on a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? That was two weeks ago, and he just had that conversation with Brian Armstrong from Coinbase. And when, oh, nice. Yeah, when he asked. Uh, Brian Armstrong, like when Polygon, uh, he said, we're working on it. So I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel there, uh, at least. Yeah, okay, I agree. I think, I think, I think Q1 2022 is going to be pretty awesome for DeFi. I think, I think, I think Coinbase is going to come out with some stuff. I think like we have the Zapper wallet that's going to come out. Um, you know, OnRamp is getting better with things like MoonPay. So I do think we're going to have that breakout moment soon where, um, people can actually use this stuff without paying crazy transaction fees. And really, you know, a lot more people can have that aha moment that all of us on this call have already had. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the index co-op, you know, we've kind of been bridging our assets over to Polygon to make that, you know, a little bit friendlier for retail on the gas uh, right. standpoint. And then totally. we've, we've been moving people to the Dharma wallet um, because yes. that's, that's a, great too. Yeah. It's a great fiat to Polygon on ramp that just, it, it's, it's pretty seamless. Um, but what about, you know, we've talked about Polygon a lot. What are your thoughts on like Arbitrum and Optimism? And uh, I feel like the Index Co-op is pretty bullish on Polygon and the future there. And it sounds like pulled together is too. Uh, do you see any future with uh, those layer two rollups, the optimistic rollups at least? I, I definitely do. And I'll be using them. Like that will be where the majority of my assets are. I don't know though that like, they're going to get to the like one cent transaction fees that I think they have to for the mainstream. So I, I think I, I love both of them. I use both of them already. I will use them more, but I think they're going to appeal to sort of like a middle ground of people who maybe aren't whales, but also understand some of this decentralization and security a bit more and, and, and value that and are willing to pay for that. And, but I don't think they're going to ever get to, and you know, I could be totally wrong. So <laughs> take it for what it is. But I don't necessarily know if they're going to get to like the one cent or like sub one cent transaction fees that we really want to get to. And I think Polygon maybe maybe can or, or somewhat is there, maybe can stay there. I also think like the the zero knowledge proof stuff, like the ZK rollups, like those potentially could be there too. So I mean, maybe the optimistic rollups can get there too, but I, I just know right now they're not. Yeah, and does Pull Together have any strategies to deploy on those uh, other L2 rollups? Well, yeah, like I said, ultimately the deployments will will need to be voted on by governance. But you know, I think the general idea in the community, if you come and hang out, is 
yeah, we want to have the protocol on every EVM compatible blockchain possible. EVM compatible meaning sort of Ethereum compatible. So definitely, you know, once Aave gets deployed, I definitely expect there to be a vote to deploy to deploy pool together as well onto Optimism and Arbitrum. But also other EVM compatible networks like Avalanche. I mean, Binance Smart Chain is EVM compatible. Phantom is as well. Like all, all those all those networks. So not only just EVM compatibility, but also you, you need to have Aave there as well because that's what y'all build on top of, correct? Yeah, yeah. So EVM compatibility would be like a base requirement, and then there be there would be some other dependencies. And the most prominent one would be Aave. You know, Aave is not a hard dependency. Like the protocol could use other yield sources for sure, but the Aave integration has been built a long time ago. It's been audited. It's been live. It's been tested. You know, so there's a security component there where ideally you don't want to change that. That makes sense. And so what, I guess, what type of revenue drivers does pull together have to drive revenues uh, to the protocol's treasury right now? Well, there, yeah, so there, the, the, the main, it depends. <laughs> depend. I, I wouldn't call it revenue, but like the, the protocol, obviously like the reserve is a mechanism to like build value into, into the protocol. And that value, the unique thing I think about that is that that value makes the protocol better. Like it's not just building value for the sake of value extraction. It's actually building value for the sake of making the protocol better for everyone who uses it and building like this long term. And the long term, it basically builds like the best place to save in the entire world, which is kind of awesome. So so that's that's really like the the primary mechanism mechanism right now. But again, like at the end of the day, that's. That's really up to the pool token holders in terms of what they want to, uh, what they what they want to, or how how they want to like how they want to manage that, how they want to set that, etc. Okay, and just what are your thoughts on treasury diversification for DAOs and protocols? Just kind of want to get your opinion and what is the makeup of pool together's treasury? Like, is it is like ninety percent of it in the pool token or hundred percent of it in the pool token? Uh, how does that look? What are your thoughts on that, just in general? Well, that's a great question. So in general, I'm a huge fan of treasury diversification. Um, Pool Together did one of the first treasury diversifications like earlier this spring um, with several large investors that uh, that put uh, 6 million, I think, USDC in and received pool tokens from the protocol. There's a, there was a vote on that. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you look today, Pool Together actually does have a, a quite a diversified assets in the in the protocol. Like it's not I'm trying to think we're probably there's probably about like fifty million dollars in total assets, and probably about ten percent of those are in or actually no more like twenty twenty percent of those closer to twenty percent of those would be in like non pool token assets so there's a lot of assets actually if you go to info.pooltogether.com, you can see there's just a dashboard you can see all the different tokens and 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 um what the composition is so I definitely think that. Yeah, for the for the longevity of the protocol, you want to have diversity, and so I am a big fan of the of the treasury diversifications. I think did you, did Index Coop do one as, as well? I feel like you guys did one too. Yeah, I mean we do have some diversification in our treasury. Where yeah, we we definitely sold some Index to get some USDC, uh, just kind of as a hedge against you know potential price volatility in our own. Uh, native right. token, the index. But then we also right. hold, you know, as we should, you know, we create crypto native index products. 
Uh, we hold some DeFi Pulse Index, Metaverse Index. We, we hold our own products in the treasury as well, as we probably should, right? Yeah, I mean, we yeah, do yeah, have yeah, some sure. diversification yeah. in our treasury. And so, yeah, let's go back to the launch of version four. Um, the, yeah. Y'all just did, I mean, I, I, probably about a month ago or so, a month or two ago. What, what are the yeah, difference? Yeah, about a month ago. What are the main difference? You touched on this a little bit, but what are the main differences between version three and version four? And also, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what did version one and version two of Pull Together <laughs> look like? Yeah, um, well, okay. So, you know, all versions have been the same core concept, right? No loss, deposit, withdraw whenever you want to. While you're deposited, you have a chance to win prizes. That's the same core concept, all versions. But what we, what happened with version three, there's a couple things. One thing that happened with version three is that it actually sort of became a victim of its own success because hundreds of millions of dollars were deposited into it. But version three had a very hard technical limit in terms of how many winners could be, how many prizes could be awarded. Um, so there's like five winners per week. And so what that meant is, unless you had, unless you were a whale, you basically had a really small chance to win. And that's not that's not what anyone wanted. That's not that's not how the protocol was intended to, to work, right? It was intended to work where even if you don't have a very small deposit, you still have um, a good chance to win. So so that was sort of what happened with version version three. The other issue with version three too is that um, it was built on Ethereum, and obviously gas fees got out of control. And if we if we wanted to deploy it on onto other protocols or you know, other blockchains, it would require starting from scratch, right? So like you you wouldn't be able to have a like the protocol the v3 protocol was deployed onto polygon but the prizes were really small because it wasn't cross-chain so what version four has done is two main things the first is that it's cross it's truly cross-chain and what that means is regardless of what blockchain you deposit on you have the same chance to win the same prizes so what that means is you don't have to pay ethereum gas fees anymore so that's really really awesome so that's the that's and, and that allows for for growth without fragmentation Right. So instead of having a $10,000 prize in Polygon and a $5,000 prize in Optimism and a $100,000 prize in Ethereum, you just have like a $150,000 prize that you can access on any, any chain. The other thing that's really cool about V4 is you can have a, an unlimited number of winners and prizes. So, you know, previously it was like it's a $100,000 prize. There's five winners who each win $20,000. Now, and again, this is up to governance, so it can change, but basically it can be set up any, any way that governance votes for. So it could be like, hey, there's it's a hundred thousand dollars in total prizes, but there's gonna be one fifty thousand dollar prize, you know, and and a thousand a hundred dollar prizes and ten, you know, uh whatever the math is on like different tiers. So and those can be adjusted over time. And so what that means is like as as it grows, instead of your chances of winning getting worse and worse, your chances of winning can stay the same or actually even get better because new prize tiers can be introduced. And so you know, uh, so just to put this into like specific numbers, the V3 USDC prize pool ran for 47 weeks. And over that time, it had like 200 winners total. The new V4 USDC has been running for seven weeks, and it's already had over 2000 unique winners. So already over 10 times as many winners in a much, much smaller amount of uh, amount of time. So it's it's orders of magnitude better than uh, than the than the V3. And so this is really what I think is going to be the best design for the protocol to support um, helping people save. Yeah, I think it would also be interesting just to kind of estimate, you know, what were the cumulative gas costs for the V4 right. versus the V3 winners, right? Because now you're on, 
I mean, V3, or I'm sorry, version four of Pull Together is currently on Mainnet and Polygon. Right. And I know it's all based on governance. Uh, what do you, what would you predict would be the next chain uh, to be deployed for version four? Well, the one that we've been talking about internally in the in the Discord is um, is Avalanche. So I think that probably will be next. There's going to need to be a vote on that soon. And then I think after that would be Optimism and Arbitrum, um, assuming because I do think Ave will be over there pretty soon too. But uh, yeah, but yeah, to your to your point, yeah, with the V4, I think I mentioned this earlier, but ninety six percent, ninety seven percent of all deposits are on Polygon. So there's actually only like a hundred depositors on Ethereum, and there's like four thousand some on Polygon, and and the reason it and so because obviously like Ethereum is only really makes sense if you're like a if you're if you're like a whale and you have a bunch of money you want to deposit. Yeah, it kind of a funny story. I actually when version four came out, I deposited some funds onto mainnet and then <laughs> I you know, I won like I won like twenty bucks and I was like, right. all right. And it's like to claim it, it's hundred and fifty dollars. And I was like, well, that's <laughs> that's not gonna work. I'm sorry you had that experience. No, that's no, that's okay. It's it's I've moved over to Polygon, which I should have done in the first place, right? But I yeah. that wasn't if I had thought about it a little bit more, um, I, I would have come to that conclusion quicker. Yeah, um, yeah. And you, you said that you, y'all just ran the stats uh, on numbers of, of winners for version four. Is that what you just touched on, or did you have more that you wanted to elaborate on on that? No, yeah, I think that's mostly what I touched on. Yeah, it's like um, so ba- basically the stat, uh, the other stat I guess to contextualize it is like as of today, in the first you know seven weeks or whatever. Um, half of all unique wallets that are currently deposited have have won a have won a prize, and so it's just like uh, you know if, if you tried pool together with V3 or V2 or V1, there's probably a 99% chance you never won anything. But uh, if you try it now, there's almost the exact opposite. If you have your money in for a few weeks, you're, there's a very high chance you'll win at least something. Yeah, and I think another thing that pool together is really known for is just having a great community. And I'm yeah. just kind of curious, uh, what can you attribute to that success of having such a great community? And ha- like, what advice would you give to other DAOs and protocols to somehow mimic that success that Pull Together has had? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I just say is there's there's no shortcuts <laughs> to it. So you, the, you know, to create a great community, there's no shortcut. It, it takes it takes a long time, and it takes a long time having people in your community who are welcoming, who are willing to answer questions, who are willing to deal with trolls, <laughs> you know, who come and who come and harass and who are who and who believe in I, I think this is actually probably a really important point, who who aren't looking for who aren't looking for just a short term profit, right? But who believe in in changing the world and who believe in making a big difference in a in a positive impact on society. And um yeah, I mean, there's some of those people are on this call. We got like Daboom, we have our our we have Richard, we got Sir Pool Boy, but like these are people who have been in the community, Star Tree, like who have been in the community, who have helped countless people. And I think, you know, good people attract good people. And what you have to do is you just have to like have patience. You have to just show up every day, and and then over time though, what you do is you good people attract good people. And so you start getting more and more good people and more and more good people bring even more good people. And that that results in a really wonderful community. But it it just takes time. I think that's one of the biggest things. 
Yeah, and I've, I've kind of started to think that if you're looking for a protocol or a DAO to get involved with and you're looking for one that has a good community, I think a good place to start your research is on Twitter and just looking at, you know, people's Twitter names and seeing like what emojis do they have on their Twitter <laughs> yeah. names, right? And for y'all, you have like the wave that crashes down and that's right. kind of that's kind of y'all's thing. And I think it, it means a lot if someone's willing to identify their Twitter handle with a protocol that they've invested in or a community that they're trying to get involved in. So uh, that's kind of maybe just a little anecdotal, something I've been kind of looking at recently. It's just in like Olympus Dow does a great job of it too with the 3-3, three, three, right. right? And that, right. that was pretty big. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, that's a really interesting point. That's great. Like it's such a unique thing that has only happened in the last year right but it's such a it's it's very good and it's an interesting observation that that's kind of the new way of doing it yeah because it's like it's not only are they just invested and involved but they want other people to know too and that's kind of their right. way in the metaverse of doing that um, right right because you know like i think if you look at other protocols like uniswap they have like I don't know. Every time there's a governance proposal on Uniswap, it, it makes headlines in the Twitter space, right. at least. But right. I don't know if they have like a very strong core community. And that's just another way that pull together just kind of differentiates itself from these other DeFi protocols. Right. And you and I talked a little bit earlier, but there was a, a research report that came out by other internet uh, research about yeah. the pull together DAO. Um, how did that come about with, with that research paper? Yeah, well, that, that was something that the pool grants. So again, pool together, there's a really good grants program. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously not affiliated with it or on it, but it's an amazing program that I support. And they, that, so they, the grants committee actually funded that research report. And it's actually quite interesting because the other internet did two research reports, one on Uniswap and one on Pool Together on the communities. And the reasons for doing those were really because they're opposites. Pool Together having a very sort of um, sort of flat, highly engaged, you know, community, and and, and Uniswap having having a, having different a different type of community. But um, so yeah, so that that was really cool, and it was really cool. Just I think for everybody in the community to have like some outside experts come and observe and do interviews, and really validate what we all knew and believed which was that this is a great community and that it is something special. And, you know, there, there's, there's something really valuable about, about a special community. And so it, it, it was awesome to have that fun. It was awesome to have that, have that report done. And they also pointed out, you know, ways that the community could be improved. And I think everyone's really excited about acting on those too. Yeah, something that I learned when I was just kind of skimming through that report was that uh, Pull Together was actually closed source at the beginning and then around, right. I guess, the summer of 2019, I think, you or the community made a decision to uh, open source uh, the protocol. And I, it was like early, early days of DeFi and early days of these tokens that maybe like closed right. source was a more common thing. But what kind of went into the thinking of starting closed source? And then what, I guess, convinced you and the team to open uh, that code? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean... I definitely originally approached uh, Pool Together and, and DeFi in a very like Web2 mindset. And closed source is a very Web2 mindset. It's very much like, hey, we're going to create this thing. We're going to copyright it. We're going to control it. 
and we're going to extract value and we're not going to let anyone else use it. And I had that mindset, to be honest, in the beginning. I really didn't understand. I understood some of the tech around it, but I didn't understand around blockchains, but I didn't really understand open source, what that meant. I didn't understand what it meant to build public good software to, to give up control. That was a huge learning for me. And, you know, the, the, the impetus was really the community, the community saying like, no, you guys can't do this or you shouldn't do this. Like there's a better way. And it was a huge educational thing for me coming from a startup background in Web2 and not really not understanding open source software, what it meant, how it worked, et cetera. And so having a bunch of people, you know, some of them in kind ways, some of them in not kind ways, <laughs> explain that to me was a huge aha moment for me and really changed my whole mindset to really just be dedicated to building open source software that is decentralized and that, uh, yeah, and that's in control of the users. Uh, and it's such a, it's just so, it's actually just a way, way better and more fun way to build because you, um, you aren't in control and yeah, sure. That's scary. There's maybe downsides, but it's, uh, it's also a lot more fun because you get to see things take on a life of its own. You get to see people step up. You get to see how things evolve without, without being in control. And, so we're kind of running up on time a little bit, but I just kind of want to ask a few just kind of more fun, random questions. The first one being, like, what other projects do you have your eye on right now? <laughs> That's a good question. I think there's so many good DeFi projects right now that are so underrated. I I really like Ribbon Finance, um, Maple Finance. Um, I think, like I said, I think Index. I think the Fay Rari thing, that, that merger is really cool. Yeah, those are some of the biggest ones right off the top of my head. Oh, Perpetual Protocol, I think is really cool. I mean, I love the, like I, we talked about, I love the L2 stuff. I love Optimism and Arbitrum. I know there's no tokens, but those are awesome projects. I'm a huge supporter of awesome to use uh, things too. So that's a, that's a quick thing. But, you know, I, I, I do, I do, uh, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a D, DeFi, a DeFi believer through and through. So I'm like, you're not going to convince me that this isn't going to change the world. So you're a degen as well. Well, I I wouldn't actually say I'm a degen. You know, I don't. I'm not. I'm not crazy aggressive. You know, financially. I mean, I love to try out stuff, but I'm definitely not. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a speculator. I'll say that. I, I don't do trading. I don't do. I don't do a lot of like buying and selling. I put a lot of money into crypto, but it just kind of sits there. And uh, and yeah, I, I, that's what I would say. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned like the the Fay and Rari merger mm-hmm. that they're proposing and you kind of saw that too with like the polygon hermes deal as well right. i wonder yeah. do you think that that's going to be something that we see a lot more of in the future as protocols just kind of get this symbiotic relationship with each other i mean could y'all use ave so much do you see a future where pull together and ave could merge or what's your outlook on that it's possible i don't i don't i don't think that would happen <laughs> but it is certainly possible and it's certainly yeah, and I think I do think more of this will happen in the space in general, and I think it makes a lot of sense because and it's also typically what you see in innovation cycles, right? You see like a new underlying innovation, you see sort of an explosion of projects and things built on top of it, and then you see some level of consolidation as people realize, you know, by combining forces, you can do more. So I'm definitely interested in that trend, and to the degree that you know that could that happen to pull together, definitely. I mean, I I don't I don't have any specific ideas. I haven't talked about it but like could that be happen i I definitely think it could and yeah i I think it's something that we're going to see a lot more of i think we'll see like protocol to protocol stuff we'll probably see company to protocol stuff we'll see you know protocol to company stuff like 
where a protocol buys a company. We'll also probably see where a company maybe buys a protocol. I mean, obviously you can't really buy a protocol, but a protocol could vote to sort of like put a company in control, like those types of things. So there'll probably be some, a lot of interesting stuff in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I guess a company could purchase enough governance tokens to have enough control of a protocol, right? That's a possibility. Right, right. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what else on the roadmap for Pull Together outside of everything that we've talked about with like L2 uh, and EVM-compatible sidechains, what gets you most excited? Or or what, I guess, other features would you like to see added to the protocol? I mean, what gets me most excited is just that with this new with the new v4 is that people it's finally sort of working right like people are you know the messages that people come into discord and say look um i used to buy lottery tickets now i'm saving my money they say um i used to i, I used to you know i, I you know I, they're they're people who are like hey i I'm, I'm showing my kids how to save money by doing this like those types of things like those are anecdotal but i love i love seeing that and i think we're going to see a ton more of that in the next year um, and I think the way that's going to happen, is, you know, it's going to be through the protocol getting integrated into interfaces that are offering it um, to the end users, right? So I don't think the future of 2022 is like a bunch of people coming to pooltogether.com and depositing through the interface that's that's uh, on there. But I think what's going to happen is, um, you know, fintechs, banks, exchanges, et cetera, will be integrating DeFi broadly, but also in that, I think, pool together specifically. Um, to make it really easy for people to access the value propositions of DeFi without needing to deal with all the complexities of it. And so I think that's, that's, um, that's what I'm really excited for. I think, I think DeFi as a whole, right? We're not in a space right now where we need necessarily new innovations. We have a lot of innovations. What we need is to make it easier and safer for people to access them. And, um, you know, and that, that's similar, right, with the, with the coop. Like, you know, for a long time, and I know now the index tokens on the DeFi index tokens on Coinbase, but like it was hard. And you were talking about that with like bridging over to Polygon. So it's not so much that like we need to invent new things. It's just that we need to make it safer and easier and more accessible for people to use them. So that's, that's what I'm excited about. And I'm, I'm excited about, I'm excited about the impact that's going to have on people's lives as that happens. Yeah. It, is the pool token on Coinbase right now? No, it's not. It's only on um, Polygon and uh, Ethereum. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't use Coinbase at all. Like I only use decentralized exchanges anymore. So when I have you right, know, me too. Yeah. When I have random friends that text me, they're like, "What do you think about this token?" I'm like, "Where did you hear about that?" They're like, "Oh, it's it's on Coinbase." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Right. There's, so there's so much on Coinbase now. But yeah, big shout out to our uh, institutional uh, business development team for getting uh, the DeFi Pulse Index on the Coinbase institutional platform. Uh, which maybe means that we can get on actual Coinbase or Coinbase Pro um, in the future as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's all the questions we really have. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on while we have an extra like six minutes here? No, I think this has been great. I, I think I would just give encouragement for the people listening. If you're curious about this stuff, um, there's a welcoming community ready to help you. I'm sure at IndexCoop and also at Pool Together. Generally, the best way to get involved in that community is to join the Discord for, for either of those two projects. I was someone you know, you know, two years ago or three years ago who knew nothing about how any of this worked and knew no one who worked in crypto. Uh, and now I know a lot about it and I know a lot of people. And I'm happy to you know, share that knowledge as best as I can. But I also just want to encourage people, if you think it's too late, it's not. 
you can you can get started now. And uh, and yeah, it's scary to to go to conferences by yourself or things like that. But um, it's going to be a really rewarding experience. So I would just that would be my last thing to say. Just give everyone an encouragement to try things out, get involved and uh, and start learning. And I think it'll be really rewarding. Yeah. And I think one of the main reasons it, it kind of deters people from getting involved is just there's so much new jargon that you need to know. And so right. like that's kind of what I tell people is like just get involved, listen to podcasts, read, get involved with the DAO and you're going to hear words that you don't understand like sharding right. and mempool <laughs> and but I think yeah. over time through osmosis that you just start to figure out what that stuff is. You don't even have to you know, look it up or, or read an article about what the mempool is. Eventually, you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, the mempool's full, so uh, gas, yeah. gas fees are going yeah. up or whatever, right? So, yeah. All right. Yeah, well, 100%. Uh, it's a lot of jargon. <laughs> yeah. Well, Leighton, uh, glad we are able to get you on. And also, the Index Co-op back in the summer had our DeFi summer panel, and you were on it. So, I uh, just want to give you a yes. shout out there and say thanks for, for joining that uh, council with us as well. That panel discussion, yeah. it was great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was like, I feel like one of the first like post-COVID crypto things I went to. So that was awesome. Yeah, me too, actually. Actually, that was my first crypto event ever because I just I just happened to be in New York that weekend. And uh, I was like, hey, uh, I'll be in town. Like, I need to go to this. And yeah, yeah. of course, like the all, all the guys that I, that I contribute with over at Index were like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, just come on over. So yeah, great experience there. But all right, Leighton, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks again uh, for coming on. Thanks to everyone who's listening live right now in the Discord. Uh, special thanks to Nakamomo, who's going to be mixing this, and we will get this mixed and published uh, in about a week or so. And stay fa- safe out there, everybody. Uh, don't get wrecked, and have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Yep. See you guys.